Hello, what's this week's Sports Zone on Salford City Radio? I'm Rob Parkson and I'm here talking all things sport in Salford. Join me the show this week. As ever, we've got Paul Whiteside from The Devil in Detail. Paul, looking forward to talking all things sport in Salford and beyond? Yeah, Rob, yeah, certainly am. Certainly am. We've got plenty to talk about, haven't we? And uh, yeah, look, another action-packed show as, as usual. Yeah, lots to go at on the show this week. We'll start with the boxing. Paul, Anthony Joshua has agreed terms with Deontay Wilder, says Eddie Hearn. Uh, both big heavyweight boxers. Does boxing need this fight to happen? Yeah, I think so. I think Anthony Joshua is always going to sell sell fights out, isn't he? Because of uh, his stature in the sport, his sheer size and his athleticism. And, you know, Deontay Wilder is a similar sort of... Um, some sort of build, isn't it? I don't think he's quite as heavy as Joshua, but they're both they're both real big names in the sport, aren't they? And and, and fight fans like to see these fights happen, particularly with the heavyweights as well. Um, and I think we've waited a bit too long. I think these fights are a bit slow in coming, really. I mean, this fight should probably happen about three or four years ago, but you'll believe it when it's when it's actually signed and sealed, and they're both walking out for the fight night because these fights can get made, as you know, and. They can disappear. People can get injured. They can get called off. People fail drugs tests, things like that. It's it's sort of uh, always on a knife edge until it actually happens, isn't it? But no, it'll be very very entertaining that and um, and a close fight. I would have thought as well. Yeah, Eddie Hearn says they're waiting for the official contract, but we won't wait forever. Which basically is a ultimatum in a way that you know boxing moves on. My fighter has to be sort of rewarded with a big contract. If you don't come with a big contract for me to fight your fighter, it's not going to happen. Well, to be honest, I think Eddie Hearn should be a bit patient, really, because if you're going to get that fight with Deontay Wilder at the moment, you know, Anthony just is probably not getting any better offers for anywhere else. You know, Deontay Wilder is a top-notch fighter who's been in with some great fighters, been in some great contests. You know, you've only got to watch the Tyson Fury fights. So really, I mean, if he doesn't get that fight, Anthony Joshua, which, which road is he going to go down? Because some of his last few fights have been, you know, they've not been real eye-catching ones, have they, to be honest with you. So, yeah, I think a bit of patience is needed there. And, you know, we'll we'll, we'll see what happens with it. But uh, it's whether you can get Deontay Wilder to come to this country because I don't think he's a big fan of that, is he? So I don't know where the fight will happen. But I'm pretty sure they can get this one over the line because, you know, Joshua needs... He needs a, a big win like that now on his on his record because his career's you know in the balance at the moment. So um, let's hope it gets made for his sake. So the venue is supposed to be Saudi Arabia. We'll come on to another fight that's happening in Saudi Arabia shortly. But I think obviously Saudi Arabia are trying to invest into the sport uh, and in different sports as well to try and improve their image around the world with lots of uh, human rights issues and things like that. That you know we don't have to cover because we're all about the sports now. But I think it's important, obviously, that if they do manage to get this fight there and the rest of other sports get involved as well there, um, they treat that with that respect because the sport is important to everybody. Yeah, it certainly is. I don't like the way sort of these countries just throw loads and loads of money at things and, and, and think they're the bee's knees. I think they've done it with footballers, haven't they? Paying them ridiculous amounts of money. And it doesn't always sit well with me, that to be honest with you. I mean, to me, that fight should either be in the United States or it should be over here because that's where the fighters are from. Um, perhaps that's a bit old school for me, but I'm not one of these people for all this 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 money that gets thrown about because it is ridiculous amounts of money, isn't it? And no, I, I don't. It doesn't always sit well with me, that to be honest with you. But uh, bit more, a bit more of a traditionalist and a purist in boxing. But we'll have to wait and see. You know, if they can sort their heads out and you know sort their issues out, the political issues, then. 
then, then, then why not? But it does seem a bit of a, like you said, we won't get into the politics, but it does seem a bit of a contradiction sometimes, these sort of countries appealing for stuff. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's it's a bit of a tricky one. But like you said, we just deal with the sport, which which I'm glad of, to be honest, Rob, because we could probably do a whole show on the politics of of sort of boxing and, and, and venues and things like that. So, uh, so yeah, we won't get into that. Yeah. Um, let's move on to Tyson Fury. He has organised a fight with Francis Ngamu. Uh, in Saudi Arabia, it's going to happen on the 28th of October. Uh, Francis Ngambu is a former Uf- UFC heavyweight champion. Um, he's got, he's not had a boxing match before. Um, what do you make of that? Obviously, Tyson Fury is uh, the heavyweight world champion of the world. Uh, is it right? Do you think he takes this fight in Saudi Arabia? Well, put it this way: if if that was sort of 40, 40 50 years ago, when we were looking at Muhammad Ali. Would he be doing that? No. Mm. He'd want to fight the best boxers in the world for his legacy, uh, you know, whoever that may be. And that's what boxing used to be like. But over the last uh, the last few years, it all seems to be about money to me now. And for Tyson Fury, I mean, why would you want to tarnish your, your sort of record and go and fight somebody who's no experience in the sport? What is that game? It's like Manchester United organising a friendly with, I don't know, FC United or something. What's the point? You want to fight the best, play the best. And, and, and test yourself against the best and, and that's no disrespect to either football team or either fighter but you know it's it just I don't know it just seems to me like it's a big circus isn't it sometimes boxing and, and certain sort of sports and it's like the McGregor thing and you know he's fighting certain people and he's going to fight this fella and Floyd Mayweather does the same Floyd Mayweather fantastic boxer great record um, you know I've seen him in some great fights and then he's starting to fight YouTubers and people like that I mean what Message that sent out. I mean, me and James were having this conversation um, a few weeks ago when we were together at the arena for the Liam Smith and Eubank fight. And James was telling me the last um, fight that Mayweather had, um, I think it was in London somewhere, there's about 1,500 people there. Nobody knew about it. So, you know, what what sort of, you know, what does that add to his, his legacy? So, Tyson Fury, for me, he's got massive fights out there with Usyk, Joshua, you name it. Just get in with those guys and test yourself. Does he? Does he want to keep that sort of record that he has? Because obviously, yes. if, if he's fighting sort of the t- best of the bets in the heavyweight world, there might be a chance that he'll get beat. Yep. And if he wants his profile to grow, then he has to try and tap into the mainstream sporting fan. Uh, and like you say, you mentioned um, Floyd Mayweather, who, like you say, has, has fought YouTube before. Is he on the same kind of path? Ricky Hatton, we went to see Ricky Hatton fight uh, in Manchester uh, a couple of months back. Um, is he not doing the same thing? Is he not trying to sort of build a brand uh, beyond his, his boxing career? Is, is, that what not, is that not what these boxers are doing, do you think? Do you know what I've been thinking about recently and with Tyson Fury, yeah, I think he definitely doesn't want to lose that zero. He doesn't want to lose his, his no knockouts, no defeats, his unbeaten record. I think fighters um, can get paranoid about that and, and don't want to lose, do they? And I think now in sport, particularly you know, top-level sport, particularly top-level boxing we're talking about, so much is made now in the build-up. Uh, with all these gloves are off programs and things like that, I think there's so much pressure now on fighters not to lose. If they do lose, they make that many excuses because they, they put so much on it now. There's so much importance on it, and you know the, the microscope is on it. It's everywhere, isn't it? So for Tyson Fury, how would that affect him 
mentally, if he was to get beat, you know, he, he seems to think he's made a steal, and he is. He's a tough guy, but is he frightened? I mean, I'm not putting words in his mouth saying he's frightened of getting beat, but is he sort of wary of I don't want to lose that? I don't want to lose. I don't want to get beat. I don't want my record tarnished. And I don't know. There might be something in that. I might be talking absolute rubbish, Tyson. For him, might like sort of if he heard me talking, which he won't. But if he did, he might think yeah, fucking rubbish. I'll, I'll fight whoever. Well, if he if he wants to fight people, just just go for it. Then that that'd be my take on it. But perhaps he will do. Perhaps he's just getting this fight out of the way. Then he'll then he'll take them all on. But you know, going back to what I said about Bahamian Ali, you know, people like that, they they just seem to to, to want to fight the best. And I mean, I know go back to Carl Froch when he was fighting. Um, some of the fights he had, he was always challenging himself against the best fighters. He always wanted to be in the Super Six tournament, you know, fighting Andre Ward and Kessler and people like that. Every fight he had was a war against the best opponent he could fight. And to me, that's that's the hallmark of a, a real honourable fighter. That so um, I'm not saying Tyson Fury isn't, but you know, if you if you want to retire and look back at your career, why would you want to look back at someone who's never fought in a boxing bout before? You know, yeah. what what does that prove? What does it prove? So. It's got to be just about money for me. Yeah. What is it? I think with sport, there's less fairy tales in sport these days. You, you talk about Muhammad Ali, um, Joe Frazier, Rumble in the Jungle. Mm-hmm. The three sort of fights he had with him are sort of legendary, aren't they? And I think, obviously, the way the world is now with social media, you lose that bit of sort of fairy dust, don't you? In any event, not just boxing, any sporting event you go to because... Usually, it's all about the memories, and so you only get a certain amount of footage, don't you? Because you know, obviously, back then the TV coverage wasn't twenty-four hours a day; it was only sort of a couple of hours. So people had a had to peek into that window, and the rest of it was a bit fantasy. But now, with the way the world is set up, not just with with sport, that everything's recorded for twenty-four hours, it's rolling news. I think you you lose that bit of magic, and that and that is why. I like say you talk about Muhammad Ali and, and his sort of career and, and people the way that people look back at him. You think would it have been different if he'd have been sort of here now in our time? Well, yeah, you're probably right, Rob. I think if he was here now, he'd probably be the same, wouldn't he? He'd have a marketing team around him and people yeah. like that, and he'd be a marketer's dream, wouldn't he? And he'd be the same. He'd be he'd be advertising, you know, energy drinks like Tyson Fury does and God knows what else and on adverts on reality programs because that's how it'd be I mean it's hard in hindsight to look at things like that but just probably to go a bit closer home you mentioned Ricky Atten there could you have seen Ricky Atten in the peak of his career fighting against YouTubers Hmm. when he fought Costa Zoo in 2005 he moved on from that and he won, He got the world title, and he wanted to test himself against Mayweather, against Pacquiao. Yeah, he didn't get the result. He got knocked out in both of them and, and stopped quite badly. But you could never say he didn't want to go for it. He went for it and, and, and did his best and, and got beat by the better fighter. And obviously, it, it, it took its toll on him mentally and physically, didn't it, in his life. I've just watched a documentary about him before. But, you know, it's. I think that's the... That, you can't knock that in a fighter. If a fighter goes and does his best against the best in the world, comes out the other side and, and loses, then then fair play to him. But I just don't understand. I mean, how you wouldn't want to test yourself against the best. That you know, Tyson Fury has got all the skills in the world. Surely he'd want to go and prove to people and say, "Yeah, I'm the best. I can beat him. I'll go and fight him." Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens with the, the future of boxing. Um, you know, with the world, the way the world is, it, it becomes more of a sort of a PR uh, exercise in the actual fight, really. 
Yeah, yeah, and that's how it tends to be now. And, and don't get me wrong, we still see some some great stuff, some some great fights, and they're very excitingly built up. And I'm sure this one will be as well. And you know, uh, I'm sure it'll be a great contest. And you know, Tyson is a very entertaining man as it is. And perhaps we're not giving his opponent as much credit as we should do. You know, there's no doubt he'll be training. You know, his socks off for fighting somebody like Tyson Fury, and he's got to train even harder because he's not really a a pro boxer is he but I'm sure he'll be able to align his skills up and and give him a good test and it should be fascinating to watch yeah so let's move on to the football uh, now Paul just the breaking news is that Spanish Football Federation chairman Luis Rubiares has resigned after he kissed Jenny Hermanos at the Women's World Cup, enjoying the celebrations. A lot of pressure of him, pressure put on him around the world. Um, and now he's obviously decided enough's enough uh, and resigned. Um, obviously, it's, it's a lot of things, a lot of, lot of stories going on about it. And uh, obviously, we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. But it's interesting to see how long it's took him to decide to resign uh, rather than resigning straight away. Yeah, so, sometimes you see stories like this and I might be a bit old-fashioned sometimes, Rob, and you think, wow, the, is it really that important? You think about some of the stuff that happens in the world, like earthquakes and tragedies and things like that, and people are worrying about someone kissing someone else, and it, it, you have to take into account, I mean, nowadays, everything is like, oh, it's a big drama, isn't it? And you think, yeah, just push just chill out and relax a bit and just just take it into the context of what it is and I don't know a microscope scope seems to get shined and everything now and you know, every, everything seems a crime doesn't it so I don't know whether he did the right thing or the wrong thing but just seems a bit harsh to me but yeah I, I don't know I think it's the, the the way of the world now isn't it, it seemed quite a harmless sort of thing to do really you know in the joy of the moment but mm. you know uh, I don't know yeah but he also unveiled it on Piers Morgan Uncensored. So it's another, you know, like we say, you know, media thing that he decides to go and into that to announce it in the biggest platform he can. So is it is he doing it for the right reasons or is he doing it for himself? What did he announce on Piers Morgan, Rob? That he was resigning. Oh, right. he went on, okay. yeah, he went on yeah, Piers yeah. Morgan's show rather than, you know, writing a statement and releasing it. To the, to the public it's mad that I think that it, it, why would you want to go on the biggest stage of all to do that but yeah I don't know it's, it's madness and it? it really is madness I mean I'm not a big fan of Piers Morgan to be honest but it's um, yeah it's, it's strange sometimes that the way media works and the way people's lives work and you know people like us as outsiders looking in it's a totally million worlds away from the, the lives we live but yeah it, you know, if you're gonna resign, like you'd surely just do it out the back door, wouldn't you, with a, yeah. with a note and good night, Vienna, sort of thing. So, yeah, strange, strange. So, let's move on to domestic football and Salford City. They were in action this last weekend. Um, they lost 2 1 to Walsall in the league after losing to Bolton in the EFL trophy 3 0 away from home. Obviously, two defeats in a week, not great for the Amis, no. It's not, and if you look at the league table now, they're alarmingly sliding down there. I know it's only early days, seven or eight games into the season, but it's probably not been the, the start they were expecting. Um, the supporters were expecting, the manager was expecting, you know, the staff were expecting. So, you know, they've got a bit of a rude awakening there. And I think we said last week, didn't we, on the show, that, you know, they had a big week coming up and we we're expecting two victories, really. And, you know, very, very disappointing for them. And, um, 
yeah, if they're, if they're to get promotion this season, I've been with a shout of it. You know, they need to start improving quickly because, you know, they they, they look like they're well off the pace at the moment. Yeah, and it is obviously a difficult situation after last week's sort of playoff. Uh, defeat, uh, last season's playoff defeat against uh, Stockport. You know, we thought they would be able to build on that and, and challenge for a uh, for a playoff spot slash, you know, automatic promotion. So these defeats and, and uh, you know, maybe possible sort of unrest in the camp might be a problem uh, move going forward. Yeah, yeah, well, they're a high-profile club, I suppose, aren't they? And they have been over the last few years and the light's been shining them. And you sort of put yourself in that position when you... You know, you've got, you know, owners that they've got and they, they've made tele programmes about them, haven't they? And the light gets shone on you and the expectation levels get raised, don't they? And, you know, last season they sort of underachieved and didn't get a promotion. And th- this season people are looking for it now, aren't they? You spend a bit of money as well. And, you know, the other sides in that league, though, when they come and play, it's, it's a big game for them. They're going to raise their game because they see them as a scalp, don't they? So... It makes it even harder for you to, to, to get going. And I don't know the sort of turnover players they've had in the close season, whether that's going to take time for them to settle together. But it's a long, long season, isn't it? The um, You know, the football league, you're playing 46 matches, so there's a long way to go. So you've still got plenty of time to, to hit some form. But, you know, they need to turn that round sooner rather than late. What they don't want is another manager to, to lose his job. And, you know, it all starts, the, the merry-go-round starts again, doesn't it? So they probably need to just consolidate you know, next week or two and, and just, you know, sort of bite down on the old gum shield and, and, and get some results and, you know, bring themselves up by the bootlaces, so to speak. Is the pressure on Neil Wood? Is Neil Wood, you know, expectation? Is, do you think it's a, a problem for him? Do you think he's, you know, going forward? You know, will, that, will the pressure get to him? Yeah, I hope the pressure doesn't get to him. I think the pressure will be on him because you've only got to look at the people who run the club. You know, they, they, they don't seem to have as much patience as perhaps they should do. They've gone through a lot of managers in the last couple of seasons, haven't they? So I think you've just got to keep a bit of patience now. Give the give the guy a bit of time, and you know it's whether whether he gets that time. That doesn't seem to happen in football or, or sport in general these days, does it? So I'm sure he's got a plan, and you know to, to to turn things around and get things right. But it's whether he'll get that time. Yeah, so for playing Notts County on Friday at home. So if you're free, want to go down. Um, to, to Salford get yourselves down there support them they, they need you know a back in at this crucial moment in the season they, they do Robert and if you look at Notts County I think they've made a flying start to the season after their promotion haven't they they're up near the top of the table I think they're second so they're uh, they're going to take some stopping they've got good away support as well good home support they're a big club aren't they we've been in the doldrums for a number of years after they relegated at the football league so it's not that long ago they were in the top flight were they so um, if you're as old as us too you can remember Notts <laughs> County being up there but uh, but no, that'll be a, that'll be a big game this week for them, and uh, and yeah, good luck. Let's hope they can bounce back. Yeah, uh, Premier League action uh, starts again this weekend. Manchester United are at home to Brighton. Uh, West Ham uh, welcome Manchester City. Uh, two tough games for for our local teams there. Yeah, well, a couple of years ago, Rob, you'd have probably had that nailed down as three points to Manchester United, Old Trafford against Brighton, but. Um, not now, you know. Brighton are a decent team, aren't they? And the way United have started the season, they've they've, they've been a bit in and out, really, haven't they? The, the game that they won at home, the couple of games they've won, they've not really been convincing. You know, the Forest game was a was a bit of a bit of a strange game. The Wolves game, I believe, Wolves were all over them, and away from home, they've been poor, haven't they? So, you know, it's been 
been a surprising start. I expected United to be really come out of the blocks and, and be really good at the start of this season. But that Brighton game's a big match. They need to win that one. Uh, Manchester City away at West Ham. City have looked good, haven't they? So far, you know, the season's starting. They look very, very professional. They're not conceding goals. They're scoring plenty of goals. West Ham will be a tough test, though, because they're a good side. They're David Moyes, aren't they? But, no, it's, it's two tough games for our local two sides there. Yeah. Um, Manchester United winger Anthony has agreed to delay his return to the club after to address allegations of assault uh, made against him. Obviously, he... he Lots going on. Obviously, there's still an investigation going on, so we, we can't say what happened and who, who, you know what happened there. But it's the last thing Man United wanted uh, with everything going on with with Mason Greenwood. You know his departure on loan from the club. Um, I suppose it's another thing to distract, uh, you know, fans who want to really focus on the football. Well, yeah, I mean, it must be a nightmare for managers. You know, if there's off the field stuff, you know, managers they don't need that. You know, it's, it's hard enough sort of coaching the, the players, isn't it, week in, week out. And you get off the field stuff. We remember at Salford, you know, there was a time at Salford where we, we had all sorts of off the field issues all the time, didn't we? And it doesn't help the manager. It doesn't help the players. You know, it's um, it's difficult for everybody, isn't it? So that'll be the last thing Eric Tanag wants, you know, more sort of uh, disruption because it just takes the shine and, and the focus off. You know, you've got to be focused, haven't you? The you know, Premier League is cutthroat. You've got to be focused every week. And if your mind's not on it, there's stuff going on, it just takes it off and, and you can get derailed. You've got to be happy, haven't you? And ready and, you know, prepared mentally and physically. And, um, you know, if you're not, you're not going to win the game. Yeah, obviously, we know a lot of things going on in the Premier League. You know, Manchester United used to be a, under Alex Ferguson, used to be a real tight ship. Nobody, you know, fell out. There was no, and when they did, Ferguson just had a, a ruthless streak in him, and then obviously with Hentag, had a lot to deal with in his, uh, you know, period at Manchester United. And I suppose it's another thing on top which he probably didn't want. No, I think if you, I said it before, hindsight. I mean, if Alex Ferguson was a manager now, say mm. he was only sort of fifty or something, and he knocked his, a couple of years off him, and he was back, you know, say oh, he's eighty six, he took over at United. So rewind to, to his, how old ever old he was then and he's taking over now mm. it'd be a totally different story because football is different people now aren't they and would Alex Ferguson's methods and work now would, would he have been as successful as what he was I, I don't know because players are different beasts now aren't they as you, you said this to me all the time haven't you? they're totally different mentality some players and it's hard to get the best out of them and I don't envy football managers now. It must be an absolute nightmare, you know, coaching these people because they seem that far away from reality. Some of them, you know, it's hard. So that that method that, that Alex or Alex used to have, you know, he he sort of managed with the iron rod, really, didn't he? And, and sorted them out. And a lot of other managers were the same, weren't they? Like so Brian Clough and people like that. Would they be as successful now working with these sort of players? I don't know. I don't, I don't think they would. Hmm. And I think. It's characters, isn't it, really? Because, like I say, I think Brian Bluff, he kind of ruled, like you say, with a, with a bit of fear and always putting the players down to make them prove him wrong. But I think with the way people talk about the modern-day footballer, they would just decide they well, don't want to play for him anymore and ask to leave, <laughs> which really wouldn't, wouldn't work uh, in, in this day and age. No, but it's a shame, really, because that's the way life seems to go now, doesn't it? And... You know, money and players seem to have the power, and um, yeah, I don't think we'll ever see those days again, really, really, and also with those sort of characters. But 
No, it is a shame. And, you know, Ten Hag's got his work cut out there. And you wonder just how long he'll have in the job. You know, if it's an unsuccessful season this year, what will they do then? What if the new owners come in? You've got all that as well hanging over Manchester United as well at the moment, haven't you? The, the Glazers and all this, that and the other. So it looks as though the success train for Manchester United might just be delayed a bit longer because it doesn't look at the moment like they're anywhere near challenging the, the, the top sides because there's that much going on. Yeah. And obviously, the rumours of, of uh, the Glazers not one deciding not to sell Manchester United um, is a big, uh, you know, problem for the fans. Obviously, with everything going on and lack of investment uh, in the structure behind the club, uh, I think a lot of fans were hoping that they'd sell it on. But it seems at the moment that they might be deciding to stay on. Yeah. Um... What do you make of that? I mean, I'm an outsider looking in, really, Rob. You're a sort of a United supporter for a number of years. What what, what do you make of it? And what do you think is the best outcome for everybody? Well, I, I think the Glazers have to sell Manchester United because the the... The product really has become toxic because everybody knows they need big investment in the in the team to reach the likes of Manchester City, but they also need to invest in the infrastructure. Old Trafford is is falling down, leaks in the the roofs. Training ground needs an upgrade. Billions of pounds need to be spent to take United back to the very top of English football. Um, and do I think that the current ownership of Manchester United will they willingly invest in that their own hard cash um, after they bought Manchester United in a roundabout way with loans? Um, do I see them having the capacity to be able to throw two million pound at I'm not sorry, two billion pound at the at at the problem? I don't, Paul. And that's that's the worry because the likes of Manchester City and Liverpool and you know Chelsea are able to invest and and Newcastle as well. And it's only a matter of time until they get it right. And that means bringing the best players in and having the best facilities and be able to take your team to the next level. And, and we can, we can, sort of ride the Manchester United train of, you know, being the best club in the world, the most famous club in the world. Look at our history, how great we are. But it's all about now you don't win trophies on what you did 25 years ago. You win trophies on what you did now. And this yeah, team yeah. and this club isn't good enough, I don't think, at the moment to to to, to challenge the very top. And the only way you're going to do that is investment. Um, so I'm hoping that, that the C-Sense decide that they've taken Manchester United in a direction and you know, that's as far as they can take them. They will get handsomely paid off from it. Um, you know, you know, with with whoever decides to buy Manchester United, um, they aren't going to walk away uh, empty-handed. They're going to come with whatever five, six billion pound just for moving on. So I'm hoping that they will uh, sell, uh, but it's all up in the air at the moment. Yeah, just to use like another vehicle metaphor. I mean, you talk about the Man United train, but you know, a train needs to keep moving, doesn't it? And you've got like Liverpool and Manchester City and Arsenal, these other teams. They're moving all the time, aren't they? And every time they move a bit more, they move a bit fr- further in front of Manchester United, don't they? And you know, to use another metaphor, Manchester United is like a palace, isn't it? It's like a palace that you know it's great, everybody loves it, and it's got so much history, but. It just needs tightening up. It needs it needs a bit of love, care, and attention, doesn't it? And you know, it's all right having something that's great, but you've got to look after it. 
uh, because it, it's not great for longer, is it? If you don't look after it, I know I'm waffling a bit here, but you, you get the gist of what yeah, I'm yeah. saying. They've got something special there, but you know it's it's eroding away slightly, isn't it? And you, you know they just need to take care of that. But you know they're the custodians of the club, the, the Glazers, and if they're in it for the long haul and they want to stay then you've got to put your money where your mouth is and look after that thing that you're looking after. Mm. They can't afford to just let it go to rack and ruin because, you know, you're talking about something with a lot of history. So, you know, I'm no Manchester United supporter, but you can see, you know, what that club means to people. And um, I think they need to do the right thing, either sort of, you know, do the right thing by the, the club or, or sell the club. So, um, you know, it's it must be a, a nerve-wracking time for the supporters because it's all up in the air at the moment again, isn't it? Yeah. And a lot, a lot of people, obviously, like you say, football works in cycles, doesn't it? And yeah. when you look back to like the early 1900s, like the Bolton Wanderers, uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers, Preston North End, they were giants of English football. Uh, and now the championship, aren't they? So you, yeah. you, you don't know where, you know, Man United will be in 20, 30 years time, especially the way the world, the world of sport is set up, where you have one bad season, you lose. 50, 60 million pound uh, and then everything just can unravel so quick. Yeah, well, I don't think you have to go back that far. The other, I mean, if you go back to the start of the Premier League or maybe sort of 1990, around that time when the Premiership started, mm. you know, I've looked at the league tables and you just count how many of those sides are no longer in the top flight. A lot of them are not even in the Championship. You're talking League One, League Two, and even some of them have, have gone down to the, the conference, haven't they? So, mm. you know, lots of Oldham Athletic who are not even a football league team anymore. So, you know, football can change all the time. I mentioned Notts County before. I remember when they were in the top flight and they've been out of the Football League. So, you've got lots of Sheffield Wednesday and teams like that who were always up there, weren't they? Mm. And, and now they're nowhere to be seen. So, you know, it does change. Sport changes so quick. I mean, look at the Premiership now. Like I said, Brentford, Brighton, Luton. Well, Luton used to be in the top flight, but Brentford, Brighton. I can remember when them teams were like in the fourth division playing Rochdale and yeah. now they're up there in the, in the Premier League. So, it does all change really quick, doesn't it? Now, football and, you know, you can get through the leagues and you can also drop down the leagues as well, can't you? So, I'm not saying for one minute Manchester United are going to get relegated, but what we are saying is, and I think we both agree that, you know, your legacies and your history and all that doesn't really count for anything. It's it's now, it's here and now, isn't it? And, mm. and people soon forget you. Manage it, the problem is, is it managed decline? Is that what is that what we're going through that they know they can't support the club, you know, enough to take them to the next level, but we can we can make sure the widows don't totally fall off, but we can, you know, make sure they're mid table. We're still gonna be trading on the name of Manchester United throughout the world. People are still gonna be interested in us and we'll still make loads of money, but we won't have to pay off the uh, pay the big uh, bonuses when we win stuff. But it makes you wonder whether they, they want to win things, whether they want to spend the money and they want them to be the best, or are they just in it to sort of, you know, sort of back their losses and get back what they've lost? Mm. I don't know. Are they just trying to run it like a business where it's gone into sort of receivership and they just want to claim a bit back before they go? I don't know. It doesn't seem like they're in it to sort of win trophies and, and bring the glory days back, does it? Because that's not how they're operating. So you'd like to ask them what the, the morals are, but... I think it just shows, doesn't it, when people 
get involved, these these owners from other countries and things like that, they don't understand always the history and the heritage of, mm. of sport. And, and and I don't know, they, they're not all like that. They're not all in it for the money and that. But it can be a bit of a slippery slope, can't it, when owners get involved? We know that's over, don't we? You know, you have owners that come in and, you know, do they want the right things? Do they want the same things as supporters? It's not all cut and dry. It's not like the 1960s and 70s anymore, is it? Sport's not like that anymore. It's it's a big, it's big business now. And, you know, it's um, probably not for the, the best either. It's, it's sports changing all the time, isn't it? But Manchester United is a bit of a minefield at the moment. Yeah. Talking about the Premier League fixtures this week. Wolves are at home to Liverpool. Villa are at home to Crystal Palace. Fulham at home to Luton. Spurs at home to Sheffield United. Uh, Newcastle at home to Brentford. Uh, Bournemouth at home to Chelsea. Aston Villa at home to Arsenal. Oh, sorry, Everton at home to Arsenal. And Forest at home to Burnley. Anything sticking out for you there? Well, you look at Everton, they need to start winning some games, don't they? They've had a really poor start to the season. Um, that's going to be a tough game for them. Mm. There's quite a few there that stand out. And I think Newcastle is another one. You know, a lot was expected of Newcastle at the start of the season. And they've had a bit of a bit of a in and out sort of start, really, haven't they? They've not really set the world alight. They had a great win. I think they played Villa at home, didn't they? Was it Villa? And they, they, they battered them. I saw a bit of that game. I think it was Villa anyway. It was about 5-1, I think it was, mm. or 5-0. And, and since then, they've been, not been very impressive. But I think Everton are the one who I thought were going to be a lot better this season. You know, got a new manager. You know, Sean Dyche came in. And have they scored a goal yet? They've, they've scored, have they? they they lost all the games and not got a goal. So, or oh, last time I saw the league table, they hadn't. So, uh, so yeah, there's, there's a bit of pressure on them. But I think for our two local sides, City and United, they they both got really tough games. Yeah. So that's all the football chat. We're going to move on to rugby league now. And so for a Devils, they were in action uh, this weekend uh, and beat one in twenty-four points to twenty. Golden point win uh, for Paul Rowley's men. Paul, talk us through it. Yeah, it, um, it was a big win. It was a big win. They came from behind in that game, and and um, it's one of the best games I've seen this season, Rob. It was an absolute thriller, and and we always tend to get that when we play Warrington, whether it's home or away. We see some cracking matches. We have done over the years. You no, know, um, there's a bit of a rivalry between the two. It's not really a derby, but they're not too far away from us, are they? So uh, yeah, it was played in the, the the right manner. The game it wasn't a, a dirty game or anything, and. Yeah, it was ding-dong. It was end-to-end stuff. And, um, you know, there was loads of incidents. And, and actually, I made plenty of notes anyway during the game. And it was a thriller to watch. Salford showed a lot of character, I thought, going behind in the first half. Scored two good tries. And probably unlucky not to score another one through Dion Cross, which referee uh, disallowed. But 12-6 at the break. I thought they deserved the, the half-time lead. They, uh, they played some good stuff in that first half. Yeah, unbelievable scenes in uh, the stands as well, obviously, with that. Sam Stone, uh, Golden Point try. Obviously, with that new rule coming on, you expect uh, the game to end in a drop goal. Mark Sneed went for a, an attempted drop goal, hit the post. Um, I'll be honest with you, Paul, I thought it was over. I can't believe he hit the post. It was it was unbelievable. It, it got to a point of no return for me where I thought, you know, that's it, we've won. And then if it's it, it come back off the post, may I just uh, explore it at that point? I think what you need to do as well with a kick like that, you know, for future reference, when you do try and drop a goal, is follow it up. Mm. Because when that ball at the post, if someone had followed that up, they were there and they could have scored. I mean, Chris Esker did that in the uh, in the seventies for Solver. I remember, I think it was against Swindon that the Willows. And my dad telling me about that one and scored. But um, but yeah, you've got to follow it up. And there was an incident in the second half towards the end of the game where it looked like he was going to go for a drop goal and he didn't, and he opened up for him and we almost scored from that. Um, but no, it went, when it went to extra time, it, I think it, you know, a draw, 
I thought, would it be a fair result? But I thought, no, I thought Salford had edged it. I thought we were the better side. And I think we chanced our arm then after missing that drop goal. And uh, Brad Singleton, I mean, he made the right mare, didn't he? Um, you know, giving away a penalty when we were in possession. It was set up there for us to drop a goal and win a game. And he got penalised, but he, he didn't half make up for it. It was a lovely pass to Lafayette. He gave it to Burgess, who raced away. Sam Stone, absolutely tremendous. 80 minutes he played. You know, it was a back row forward and he's still running there in the 83rd minute or whatever it was So uh, and backed up really well to score and he, he thoroughly deserved the try and, and deserved all the celebrations afterwards. Yeah, so we're still in seventh, pushing for a playoff spot uh, with Warrington and Hulkier in the mix as well. It's what uh, us fans, you know, we invest in, don't we? All these years of watching Salford, you want to be in the mix when it matters and uh, now we are. Well, yeah, it's, it's it's all on next week now. You know, you look at the running now, Warrington plays St. Helens on Friday. That's at, at Warrington. But the way St. Helens are playing at the moment, you'd expect Saints to have too much for Warrington. They're, they're very, very tough. So I then play against Lee on Friday night. Yeah, they got a bit of rub of the green, but some of the tackling was ferocious. And I watched Warrington today and I thought, I don't know whether they've got the stomach to, to beat St. Helens. So if St. Helens can turn them over, then it turns around for us at the 24 hours later. Then we beat Ulkingston Rovers. We're two points in front of Warrington then with a the game to play. So it's, we've just got to go to Ulkar on Saturday night and do the business. And it's a very, very difficult place to go. I've not looked at the stats, but I don't think they've lost many at home this season. Ulkingston Rovers, they've got a really good home record, real partisan support. And I think um, the last game of the season, Ulkingston Rovers play... Lee, I think, uh, not Lee, sorry, Wakefield. Um, so you'd expect them to win that. I think Warrington play Huddersfield away, which will be a tough game because Huddersfield are desperate to win a game. You know, they've real pressure on them. They can't make the players, but they'll be expected to go out with a win because they've lost a lot of home games. So it's a real, you know, you know, you Hulk are in the box seat at the moment. And um, it's all Warrington, but, you know, if we can get a result against Hulkings and Rovers, we're right back in the mix then. Our record against Hulking Rovers away isn't great, though. Um, is that an issue? Do you think? Are we are we thinking about that going into the game on Saturday? It's not too bad. We've had a few good wins there. I mean, recently, the last couple of years, we haven't. We've been we've been tonked there last season. We got beat well, beat there this season in the in the cup, didn't we? So uh, we got beat forty odd last season. I think forty the season before. We have had some good ideas, but before that, we didn't do too bad. We have had some good wins there, but. Uh, yeah, I don't think that counts for anything, Rob. You know, someone was saying to me the other day about it being tough and that, and I was thinking, well, my answer to that is it'll be tough in the playoffs. So you're not going to get an easy game in the playoffs. So if you want it easy now, you might as well pack up and go home. You know, you want it to be as hard and tough as it comes. I mean, that's what rugby league's all about. The, the tougher, the better for me. Um, what do you want to go and steam, steamroll or someone? You want to go in and win a, win a really hard-fought game, don't you? So we've got two massive games against Hulkar and Catalan. If we can win both of them, you're hitting the playoffs then with three wins on the spin. You're dangerous, aren't you? If you can keep your squad healthy, who knows who you'll play. I mean, if we finish six, we'd probably play... I think we'd play... Who would we play? Be six against three, would it? I'm not too sure how it works, to be honest. You're going to go away from home to either Wigan Saints or Catalans, aren't you? Uh, which is going to be tough, whoever you play. So, if you get in that playoffs, it's going to be very, very difficult. So, I think you've just got to take it one game at a time. Yep, we spoke to Ben Helliwell, Sam Stone, Amy Borough, um, Andy Ackers, Joe Burgess and Paul Rowley after the game. This is what they had to say. So I'm joined by Amy Borough. Big win today, that. Yeah, really big win. Um, obviously, you know, we needed we needed the win really badly and um, obviously a bit of desperation came into play. Um, but just really happy we could get the job done. What was it like, obviously, at the end, the golden point? Dramatic end? Yeah, it was really nerve-wracking and... Uh, you know, it went all the way, didn't it? So, 
you know, it's ha- we're happy that we've got the we come on the a good side of it, but uh, we always had the belief that we could do it, so that's all that matters. Still in the mix for the six, obviously Orkins Orc- Rovers next week. It's going to be a massive game, that. Yeah, massive game. It's a tough place to go over there, and uh, hopefully we can um, replicate today and get the win. However we get it, it don't matter. We just need to get the wins now. Keep ticking them off. What was it like playing in the middle today? It was very tough. The tough old running around banging them. Yeah, it's all right. I don't mind it. Uh, I'll do. I'll play. I'll play wherever I get asked to play, and hopefully do a good job there. So I don't mind. Yeah, obviously the belief's growing. We, we can we can reach the six. That's an important aspect in it. And when you when you're chasing it. Yeah, I think the belief's always there, and. Um, you know, we've got a really good group. We've got a, tr- a group that, you know, love and trust and respect each other. So I think um, as long as we stick together, we can, we can do whatever we want to do. Brilliant. Thanks, Tog. So I'm joined by Andy Ackers. Big win that today. Yeah, really good win, mate. Um, there's a lot of effort from, from everyone in the game. 1-17 uh, one, one to today. Um, we've had a really good week's training. Uh, we were disappointed with the Wigan results. So we were looking for a result, um, kind of a do-or-die result today. And I think the lads showed that. Yeah, dramatic way to win it as well. Uh, with a trying uh, golden point extra time. Have you ever seen or done that before? Yeah, we've done that before. But uh, I try not let let games get to that. Obviously, everyone's anxiety levels are fruit roof. So, uh, but like I said, I don't know how many minutes it went to, but uh, lads showed some heart there today. Yeah, obviously we're still in the mix for the six. Okia next week. That's a massive game now. Yeah, it's just all about rest, recovery now. Um, train hard, obviously, when we when we're in, and um, yeah, just take it from there. Review them, review that game, get rid of our negatives, look at our positives, and, and build on Okia now. And try to get a result there. Yeah, and obviously the beliefs there. Obviously yeah. beating one and two at home is going to you know peak you even more in it. The belief's always been there, mate, to be honest with you. It's just um, when we get on back end of a, a bit of a negative rut, um, it's, it's sometimes like like in life, it's a bit hard to get out. Um, but, yeah, the lads have remained positive all year and um, I think we've showed it in some parts of every game, but we need to be doing it for 80 minutes. Brilliant. Thanks for talking to us and good win today. So I'm joined by uh, Joe Burgess. Dramatic, dramatic finish there. What do you think? Yeah, we needed that. We needed that desperately. Uh, just maybe not that late next time. Um, we wasn't we wasn't great in the game, but effort effort what was that today? I think. Yeah, obviously you played a key part in the winner. What's going through your head as you as you could run down the line there? It's funny you say that because I was just thinking like, yeah, <laughs> just keep your legs moving because I felt like a baby giraffe then when I was running. Um, it's just make sure make sure we get the trial like. I think I, I did pass it some slightly early, yeah. but nah. Don't matter. Don't matter. Don't matter. You get over. Yeah, we're still in the mix for the six. Going to Walkyar next week. Massive, massive game that. Yeah, uh, different challenge that next week. Um, was, again, we're all on the same points again, aren't we? Uh, so we're all fighting for that spot. Um, we just need that, that sort of support that we had today uh, over there because we're not Walkyar fans are like the really. Uh, They've got quite a big voice, so we need a bigger voice. Brilliant. Thanks for talking to us today, and uh, well done. Right, match winner, Sam Stone, joins me. It was a tough game, that today, wasn't it? End-to-end stuff. What did you make of it? Yeah, mate, I think we probably uh, killed ourselves a little bit. You know, we had a couple of good opportunities to win the game and some silly errors and penalties that cost us, but just happy we got there in the end, mate. How important is it to back up in rugby league? What, how did you feel when you took that pass from, from Joel Bird? You were just getting, I thought he passed it too early, but he was just getting over that line. Yeah, that's it, mate. I was just trying to make sure Dufty didn't get me and then dive. I see too many people try and put it down one hand or something like that and drop it. So, yeah, that was the first thing going through my head, just make sure you dive and get it down. 
Was it tough out there in the weather? Because it seemed to have cooled down a bit. It was still a really warm day, wasn't it? And they've got a big pack of forwards as well. You were down a few players as well. It must have yeah. been tough out there. No, yeah, yeah. The, the warmth is tough. You know, growing up in Australia probably helps make them used to the warmth a little bit. But, um, you know, I think it probably suited us a little bit more than them. You know, they had a big pack and, you know, we had a bit of a small pack, so it probably suited us a little bit more. Did you feel a bit of pressure today? Because you sort of had to win that game, didn't you, to stay in this hunt for the top six? But every game now is a must-win game, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, that's it, mate. We spoke about that during the week. It was sort of do or die, a must-win sort of game. So we uh, had that mentality going in and you know, it keeps our season alive now. Hawking some rovers next week, they're on a good run of farm as well. You've had some a bit of a beating off them in the Challenge Cup, so you think you owe them one going into that game next week? Yeah, yeah, we, we got we got them back once at our, our Magic Weekend there, so we know we can do it. And you know, we're just going to make sure we're putting our best foot forward every week and give ourselves every chance to be in that six. Well done today, mate. Congratulations for getting that trade. did really well. Thanks, Thanks mate. mate. Thank you. Right, delighted to see you. Panella well joins me. You look absolutely shattered after that. How tough is it out there today? It was very tough. Uh, so, uh, Warrington are a good side, and we knew what we were going to bring. Uh, yeah, they're, they're a big team, and they like playing off the offboard, so we knew we were going to be tiring in the middle, and like the heat made it hard for us as well. You're missing a few forwards today. Were you told in the week you'd have to play big minutes, you know, against this Warrington pack? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think because we were missing key key members like um, Ollie P and um, Cal, who are workhorses, so we had to I think we had to equal the, the uh, work rate up, out, up between us, and um, I think we did that today. And it was really good. Uh, we, we dealt with their middle and back rows. You hit a good line for your try as well, and it, it was a try that was needed at that time. Warrington was starting to get on top, weren't they? You hit a good line, really good line. They showed a bit of pace as well. I didn't know you were that quick. I thought we were in a slow motion. <laughs> uh, I got told they were in slow motion. No, uh, yeah, I thought I played back row before, and uh, yeah, Rod put me put it on the plate for me, but uh, yeah, I thought I took it well. And, yeah, it were, were key moments for us, uh, especially when one of them were getting on top. And if we spend a bit, bit more time at there, and uh, thought it'd come, and uh, it didn't eventually. And it looked like we might have took the game away. Brad Singleton gave away that penalty when we was in possession towards the end of the game. You're going to Golden Point extra time. What What do you think when you go into that Golden Point? Is it always go for a drop goal or? Is it better to sort of move the ball? Because teams are expecting you to drop the goal. But yeah. I think you surprised Warrington there, didn't you, moving it? Yeah, it's, it's dependent on it's dependent on the, what the opposition team do. And uh, I think we we got a bit of an advantage kicking off, um, getting field field position. I think it's field position more more than getting going for the drop goal. Um, if it opens up on edges and we we go for the try, so be it. But um, yeah, like it's. We've got decent half-backs who can drop a goal, so I think that's a, that's a good option for us. Agonisingly at the post. But Brad Singleton, I didn't know, how, I mean, just going past us now, but he took a brilliant pass out for that, that oh, try at the end. Yeah. I mean, where did that come from? Oh, it's, um, <laughs> it went off. No, it's, 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 it's all what, what we're in front of him and uh, saw that we had the overlap and you know, Budgie's got the pace to round the people off and like I say, a good spot support by sort of Stoney, so a good finish. Was it a relief there then? Because you put so much into that game, it keeps your season alive. You've got a massive game against all Kingston Rovers next week and they're flying at the moment. But yeah. You must be full of confidence now going into that game. Yeah, we are. Like, we must win. Um, I think all games for us now are must win, especially these two games. Uh, they're, they're the ones that are competing as well as us. So I think we need the win, especially next week. And it's a tough place to go OK and like I said, they're flying, so but we'll have confidence from that game today, so um hopefully we'll take it and just put uh, fans come and support us uh, next week. You put your feet up tonight because you've deserved that mate. Thanks yeah. very much for speaking to us. I'll see you next week. Thank Good you luck. Very much. Thank you. So I'm joined by uh, Paul Rowley. Dramatic, dramatic win that.
Yeah, we're all sweating, aren't we? It's not just the heat, it's just tension, the stress, uh, the drama, if you like. So, uh, yeah, typical Salford. Uh, would have been a lot less stressful if we could have uh, put our energy in the right position and, you know, when we were in front, just put the foot on the throat, thought we had opportunity to, to do that. So, uh, um, however, you know, you, you can never question this team's commitment to the cause and, and, and clearly big message is that this team's not ready to finish just yet. So we've given ourselves a fighting chance. Yeah, peak rally ball as well for the Samstone winner. Yeah, well, it's there, isn't it? The reps have been done, so when you need it, it's there, and, uh, and that's good that we can win in different ways. Uh, I thought we did a good job down the middle, though, ultimately, throughout the game. I thought that's where the, the vulnerability lay. Uh, teams number up heavily on our edges and, and expect the shift, so so if plan A doesn't work, go to plan B, which change the direction and go up the middle, and I thought, we'd, I thought we got some joy there and, and didn't do it enough, if I'm being honest. Yeah, obviously, we're still in the mix. All Kings are over next week. Massive game, that. Yeah, huge game. Uh, notoriously tough place to go and play. Um, so uh, we'd have to be better than we was today, but we'll understand that and we'll, we'll you know, we'll worry about that when we start having a look at uh, the preview and stuff. So uh, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a tough game. Like I said, Al, um, Abdul's back as well, so they've got the the, the key man back in there. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, but we've given ourselves a fighting chance. So each game in isolation and. Uh, next, like I said, next is OKR. So it's a, it's a new challenge. It's a challenge that's been a, uh, tough for us previously. So uh, it's always nice to, you know, to, to, to get some psychological wins on, uh, on uh, and break some records that you need to break and stuff. Yeah, last season we were on a bit of a run. Got to the semi-final against Settlers. Can you see lightning striking twice? Oh, we'll just worry about OKR first. But we're here, aren't we? And we want it because, like I said, you can see it on the field. So yeah. uh, there's, there's no drama. And if the will and the wants there, then anything can happen. Uh, if it doesn't, then we don't deserve to be there. But uh, it's as simple as that. We often talk about people's perceptions of this club. Do you think wins like that make the massive difference? Yeah, I think we're not a club that... I don't think anyone takes us lightly. I don't think... Uh, I think teams prepare for us hard and I think they need to. I think every game that we're playing, our opposition the GPS goes goes skyrockets because we challenge people and they have to work extremely hard if, if, if teams don't want to work hard against us then we'll put them to the sword so um, you know so we're a dangerous team so whilst that's that's uh, good that teams respect us by pre- preparing hard for us um, you know I'd like them to take their eye off the ball and, uh, and give us an easy day but we never get any so um yeah, so it's, it's, it's a credit and a credit to the lads because, like I said, as we always say, we've got a thin squad who are busted today, um, and so to turn up without wanting to use excuses that we were surrounded with excuses. Well, we're having a disco here, Paul, celebrating. Big, <laughs> big thanks for joining us. Good win today, and I'll see you next week. So everyone's super excited, super happy about the win, uh, and looking forward to the big challenge uh, against all Kings and Rovers. Yeah, because if it had got beat against Warrington, the season was over, wasn't it, Rob? Um, so I think they showed some real good fighting spirit to get through that game, and then the players all seemed delighted, didn't they? They, they live to fight another week now, and the season goes on. I mean, I'm not saying the season's done if you lose, but it, you know, as far as achieving something, it is, isn't it? So uh, you want to finish as high in the table as you can. If we were to finish seventh, I don't think it'd be a bad season, Rob. I think you know we've got we've won 13 games, I think now we've got 26 points. That's a good return that from. You know, a, a small squad, but you just want to keep winning, don't you? And you know, if we were to beat Hulkar and, and Catalans, that'd give us thirty points, and that'd be a, a really good season for me. That and wherever you end up in the league table, you end up, don't you? Yeah, but we talked about changing people's perceptions of the club, and after last season's run to the semi-final, we we needed another 
big season to to carry the club forward and entice uh, more people in big attendance this week. Six thousand five hundred, I think, were there at the Salford City Stadium. So it's uh, it's getting out there. The news about this club and the, and the team they've got at the moment is filtering through to the people of Salford who are embracing it and now watching it. Yeah, I think the disappointing thing this season, Rob, our home farm hasn't been very good. You know, we've lost a lot of games at home. We've been pretty good away from home. We, we've probably won more games than most away from home, but the home farm's been poor, hasn't it? We've lost a lot of games at home and that's something we need to fix up because that's the way where you get the majority of your home supporters. So, yeah, get what you're saying. A playoff finish would be good. It'd bring excitement. But if you're to finish six and you go away from home with Saints and get absolutely blasted in the playoffs, I mean, does that do anybody any good? I, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to finish in the top six. I think it'd be good to say we've we've got their two seasons running and then build on that uh, for next season. But uh, I think wherever it goes now, we, we've we've done pretty well considering what the squad what we've got. I mean, you look at the the game on Sunday. I mean, we played there with sort of thirteen men and two subs really because Amir Burra didn't really play much and and Andrew Dixon wasn't used. So you know we, we're down to the the bare minimum really. There's not many squads that that, that play like that. So. Uh, so yeah, I think I think we've done well. Whatever happens, yeah, obviously looking forward to next season. Is that the important aspect that needs changing the size of the squad? Obviously, season tickets have come out this weekend. Um, you know, a little bit of an increase on the price, but really investment is needed to invest in the better players and more players to take the club forward. So, is is that a you know a thing that we're looking forward to? Well, there's increases in the prices everywhere, Rob. If you go for um, to Asda for your shopping, you look at the price of stuff, it goes up every week, doesn't it? Mm. So you can't sort of say, oh, hey, hey, you can have a season ticket for Salford, it'll cost you 99 quid. You pay 99 quid for a season ticket, you get a 99-pound team, don't you? Mm. You know, you need to you need to pay for the team, you need to pay for the club and keep the club going, don't you? So if we want to give freebies away, we're not going to get anywhere, are we? So you've got to... Um, I don't think rugby league is expensive anyway, to be honest. I mean, look at the entertainment Sunday. It's fantastic. Whether you ever see a football game like that or a rugby union game? No chance. I mean, it, it was brilliant entertainment. That's what rugby league's all about. And it's... We all love it. We all enjoy it. And yeah, I think it's worth every penny, rather. I, mean, I don't think anyone would be a grudge paying the, the extra bit of cash. You've got plenty of time to save up for it. So I know sometimes we, we moan about it, but, you know... It, like I said, inflation and things like that it goes through the roof, doesn't it? So you, you've got to pay for stuff. And if we're talking about a bigger squad, you've got to fund that squad, haven't you? Because, yeah. you know, I don't think we've got the money as it is to, to pay for lots of players. So um, so it'd be interesting to see. I mean, I know we were talking in the week, weren't we, about players who were out of contract. So I think there is players out who we're going to bring in. I'm not too sure. It'd be interesting to see what the squad does look like next season. Yeah, uh, let's move on to Swinton Lions. They were in action uh, this weekend. They went to Barrow and lost 32 points to 14. Um, obviously, getting towards the end of the season now for Swinton Lions. They've had a great season. Just need to, to find another gear uh, and push on. Yeah, it won't be a great season if they get relegated, though, and they've got two games left to save themselves, Robin. I mean, I've seen what a lot of the supporters were saying. They were very, very disappointed on, on Sunday with their defeat against Barrow. They were also fighting for survival as well. And they were well beaten. So they were hammered in the first half. They're two points from safety now. They're two points behind Whitehaven and they play Whitehaven on Sunday at Haywood Road. So if they're to win that game, that gives them one game left then. 
the points difference with Whitehaven is very, very similar. I think it's about eight to ten points difference. So yeah. if they're to win that game, they've got a massive chance of staying up. They play Halifax away last game, which is going to be a mega tough game. But they've got to beat Whitehaven now next Sunday. So that's a huge game there. And uh, an awful lot of effort's gone in this season. So they don't want to go back down again. You know, they've been a bit of a yo-yo club last few years. So they've got a massive two weeks now to, to turn things around. Yeah, and obviously, you know, the people of Swinton need to be able to to support them um, with everything going on. They're hoping that they'll get a few down to Awood Road uh, and support them. Because obviously, you know, it's important they do stay in the, in the championship and, and still compete, like you said. Well, yeah, they're trying to build, aren't they? And, and the only way you can build is sustainability, you know, with continuity. When you, you're staying in a league and you can you get an extra bit of finance and you sky telling money and things like that, you're back down to the to the League One. You're on a League One budget, aren't you? So, um, you know, we've seen Oldham, I think, lost at the weekend and they'll, they'll be back down there next season. Then um, they were beating, I think, was it North Wales beat them. So uh, they're back in that league. So there's a lot of derbies in that league for Swinton. They'd be playing lots of Arnets and, and Oldham, but they want to stay in that championship, you know, and test themselves against some big sides in there. And uh, yeah, they've got a massive two weeks. Whitehaven's definitely a winnable game though. Yeah, with a minute to go, Paul, it's obviously sold for competing in the playoffs, Swinton fighting to stay up. It's, uh, you know, going to be a dramatic uh, week uh, for our our two teams in the local area. It's a huge Saturday, Sunday, Rob. You know, whole mm. car Saturday night. It's going to be a real tough mission for Salford. And then, obviously, we've got Haywood Road, Swinton playing uh, Whitehaven on the Sunday. So, we could really do with both our sides winning both those games and, and getting two very, very valuable points. Yeah, and like I said before on the show, if you're a Salford fan or a Swinton fan, get yourselves down, support your team. Uh, they need you in this moment of... of uh, you know, high anxiety um, because obviously we, we need uh, to have a top team. So that's what sports need in our area. So big thanks for joining us on the Sports Zone on Solver City Radio. I'm Rob Parkinson. You can listen to us on a Tuesday or Wednesday uh, talking all things sport in Salford. Big thanks for joining us and we'll see you soon for more Salford Sporting Chat on Solver City Radio.